this morning already, but this is my first time seeing all your beautiful faces from up here. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. Um, Mom and dad are still on vacation, living it up in the sun. Some of you have been seeing some postings. He's been fishing, um, comes to find out that another family in the church head down to Florida. We find out they're next together. We're like, you need to go fishing together. So they went fishing together and dad's catching fishes by the loads. He loves fishing. And mom is so bored, she's calling me every day. (laughs) Yep. How many of you know that my mom's best friend just passed away a little bit ago? And I told her, I said, you know, I love you, but I'm not your best friend. You need to find one fast. Just kidding. I love my mom. We need to speak more to our moms than we do, actually. I heard it said the other day that There was a radio station on and they were talking about how important moms are because we're coming into Mother's Day. Thus, the reason in the month of May, all women will be taking the offering. Uh, That was Annie Moody, who just took her offering. She has three beautiful young girls, a handful of grandchildren, and uh, she happened to be our neighbors that lived across the street from us some time ago. Since then, they moved. We're not happy about it, but that's all right. There's new people in there to preach Jesus to. Amen? Uh, But anyways, I heard it said that a gentleman was on the radio and he was talking about how many times we talk to our parents in a given period of time. And one of the grandsons was saying, oh, I, you know, I see grandma and grandpa a couple times a year. And he said, well, son, how many years do you think your grandparents have left to live? And he said, well, I don't think they'll live past their 90s. He said, well, how old are they now? He said, well, they're 83. He said, well, let's do the math. Seven years at two times each year, you're gonna see her 14 more times did that not put it into perspective when we say time is short and that we need to spend time with those that we love that's for real so I encourage you today if you haven't called your mom haven't reached out to your grandparents in a while do so they love to hear from you my mom's knocking my door down every day every hour every second but um, that's all right I've got a couple more million times to talk to her amen all right let's pray before we start today Father, I just come before you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as I pray last week and the week before when I preached, Father, I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice, Father, today, Father, would not die before they have accepted you as their personal savior. Father, that every given chance, Father, for you to speak to their lives, who you are, Father, would be made known. Father, that their soul could be saved from an eternity without you. God, use my words today, my lips, my mouth. Let my thoughts be your thoughts, Father, as I do what you would will today. And let it be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, today we're going to begin a series called What's Lost? Um, I think it's a perfect transition from last month. We talked about the good news. We talked about the good news being that Christ came For you and I, he went to the cross and died that you and I might have life and more abundantly, not just on this earth, but in the life to come, amen? And that that was the good news. But then the next week we went on to talk about how the good news was not meant to be kept just for you and I, but it was meant to be given to the world and that Jesus entrusted you and I with that mode of operation. In fact, he commanded you and I to spread the good news. Not only did Christ tell us, but he showed us. We had the example 
of what we were to do. So Matthew 9.36 said that he went through all the towns and villages proclaiming the good news and that the kingdom and healing, that the kingdom of God was here, healing every sickness, all disease, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. His heart grew bigger. He loved them because they were harassed by the enemy and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In other words, they were lost. No one to care for them, no one to lead them, no one to protect them, and no one to feed them. Lost. See, Jesus' heart beat for what was lost. Therefore, you and I, being followers of Christ, our heart beats for what his heart beats for. Amen? What moves Jesus moves me. What he responded to, so do I. I'm like him. I'm God's child. God said, I wish that none would perish. That's me. I care for what he cares for. I don't want anyone to perish and I wish they would all come to the repentance and to know him. For I know because I've received Christ that he is coming like a thief in the night for those who believe in him. For those who are ready, sanctified, living a holy life that have their lanterns filled like the 10 virgins. For five were wise and five were not. I plan to be one of the five that were wise. Amen? Luke 19.10 says that Jesus says, the son of man come to seek and save the lost. Therefore, I, the daughter of God, come to seek and save that which was lost. Not by my own power, not by my own works, but by the blood of Jesus. Amen? So it is to you and I, that we too become Christ-like in all of his ways. We don't just get to choose portions of his character that we want to be. We don't just get to choose what's easy. We don't just get to choose what we like to do. We get to choose all of the word. And some of it I don't like. I'm being honest with you. Some of it is harder than others. In our lifetime, I wanna talk about something that's lost. Anyone that knows Randy knows that in a given week we lose car keys, cell phones, and a wallet. We've drove off with a planner with hundreds of pages on top of a truck as we're following him and there's pages flying off of his truck before cell phones were around for me to call him and say stop. Literally, I'm watching his life blow by and I'm honking my horn because he's losing his Franklin planner. Every day there's an event in our house about keys, phone, or cell phone. However, a lot of times they're just misplaced and he comes around to find them. But two times in our life, his keys have really been lost. And I'm talking lost. The first set of keys he lost was to the church. This whole big ring, every door in the church, everything you could imagine. The second set of keys was to the church. 
I promise you, I promise you, as if one time could be bad enough. But here's what I noticed. Randy, when he lost him, he was just beside himself. You don't understand, consumed by these keys that were lost. Literally, go to the mailbox where we lived and look everywhere. Get the mail. Now, you would think after the third or fourth day, he would realize the keys are not on your way to the mailbox. But no, he was consumed. The staff was looking. We were looking. My mom and dad were searching their house. Maybe he left them here. We, maybe we should get the car detailed, Nick. They'll take the seats out. I think maybe it's under the seat. I mean, you name it, he had it in his mind. He was consumed with what was lost. Here's the thing. He never went to the key rack in our house and picked up the other keys to our house and went, oh, but look, I got our garage keys. I got our truck keys. I got our house keys. All he could think about was the keys he had lost and where they were. He was consumed with what was lost. We prayed that God would show us where those keys were, that he would find them. Two years later, sometimes God's plan is not your plan. Sometimes what you want to happen in a quick, orderly fashion is not going to happen. Two years later, a snowplow comes by our house and takes up about six to ten inches of the dirt in the side of the road and throws it into our landscaping and there's Randy's keys. As the snow began to melt, Randy sees something sparkle. He's like, oh my goodness. Nicole, he comes running in the house like never before. I'm not kidding you. I found my keys. And I'm like, where did you find them? He said, in the flower bed. I'm like, you mean the snowplow found your keys. We lived like eight foot off the road and he was just griping how the snowplow had come and tore his yard all up. But the snowplow had come to deliver what Randy had prayed for two years prior, which he had lost. Now, God was faithful in the matter, but I told you that story to show you. Randy still talks about the other set of keys that were lost, but we believe they were found also in the winter here on the church property in the middle of a driveway somewhere, in the middle of the parking lot, there was Randy's rusty keys that had gone through three to four years of salt and snow and had made it to the edge of the parking lot, back on the parking lot, to the edge of the parking lot, and back off. Point and check, we got him a different clip. He hasn't lost any keys since. I tell you that because in this story, Randy was a lot like our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father is consumed by what is lost. It's always on his mind. Just like Randy, when he mowed, he was looking in the grass, even though it was months past. You would think, why would he still be looking in the same places he had looked? Because he was consumed by what was lost. Let's go to Luke, the 15th chapter. There are three parables in this chapter. We're not gonna do a lot of flipping today because we're gonna stay very focused on this chapter. I want to start in verse 1, and this is the parable of the lost sheep. Now keep in mind that a parable is Jesus speaking, but he's describing a real life situation 
so that his listeners or future readers could understand what was being said. And you'd be able to relate to what he was saying. Here's what it says. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Almost in a judgmental way. Keep in mind, if maybe you're not a reader of the Bible, the Pharisees and the law abiders were the ones that are in church. They were the ones that was judging Jesus, not the tax collector and the sinner. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me! I have found my lost sheep! I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Hmm. The bottom line is, is that God has some lost kids and he's got some saved kids. But he's looking for the lost ones day and night until they are found. Our father doesn't give up. He doesn't get tired. He loves them more than you and I could ever imagine. They are always welcome in his kingdom. There's rejoicing when one is lost and then he's found and a sinner repents. Rejoicing, a true party, as if it were. See, the sinners and the tax collectors were listening to Jesus, but those who were in church were trying to judge him. We can go back to Mark in the second chapter, the 15th through 17th verse. And the Pharisees were talking to the disciples and they ask, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Same question, same question. Jesus hears them and says, it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but to call the sinner to come home. Doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that make sense? That it's not us who needs the help, although there are days and weeks that we do, amen? Let me introduce you. This is a sheep named Barak. Barak, come on up on the screen. Excuse my man voice today. I've been fighting a few allergies and I think I drank a little too much NyQuil. There's a reason they give you a measuring cup. This is Barack. I'm just letting you know, that's how I got my man voice. If anyone wants to know how to get your voice lower, a little scratchy, raspy, NyQuil. All right, so this is Barack. Barack was found six years wandering. Six years without a shepherd. Look at his eyes. He's got wool way down in here, right? When they gave him a shearing, 75 pounds of wool came off of him, 75 pounds. Some sheep are lost due to never having heard the gospel. Some are lost because they heard the gospel, but they were offended when they heard. 
because of the way it was delivered to them. Some fall into sin. Wolves took them out of the fold due to false, crafty, doctrinal twist. Some of them just laid down and gave up from sheer exhaustion from fighting this fight we call life. Going through trial and tribulation after trial and tribulation and they got tired and they just thought to themselves, I'm just gonna lay down for a moment. And they never got up when the rest of the fold moved forward. Some of us were lost by shame and condemnation. And so we ran and hid into the mountains, just like Barak. Lord only knows why he left. We don't really know the story. But here's what I ask. How in the world did he carry 75 pounds of weight around for all those years that he was never meant to carry? How did he see through life's struggles and still manage to live? How did he make it through the storms of life, the rains that came and the rain not tip him over? Because as you know, last week I told you about a sheep. When his wool gets so full and the rain comes, it saturates the wool and it gets heavy and he falls over. But a sheep can't get up on his own without the work of a shepherd to put him on his feet. You realize sheep are very skittish animals. That's why it says that he leads us by still waters. Not the water that's raging or scary that sounds loud because he knows that that brings you anxiety. He knows that it brings a place of fear. Jesus never leads you that path. He leads you the sure path. He leads you where your feet can be sure-footed. He doesn't lead you where water splashes up on the sides and it's mucky and slippery on the sides where you can slip. But oftentimes we as sheep, because we're afraid of what we've done, will run away and hide. But then because we can't see, we'll step up to the water's edge where it is raging, where it is scary because we need to drink, but we don't realize what we've walked ourselves into. And then we fall into the very snare and the trap of the enemy. But God is there waiting every single time to pick you up, to take care of your needs, to help you through this life. You don't have to do this season of your life alone. You have him with you. Barak didn't have to do what he did. The good news is Barak was then put with a shepherd who shepherded him throughout the rest of his life. And as far as I know, Barak is still alive. I don't know what the life is of a sheep, but we'll see. The bottom line is, is that God is waiting He's loving and patient, and he's persistent. He is a forgiving God, and he's waiting to come to your situation, pick you up, put you 